Uh, I'm going to try not to geek out over this too much, although a Amy Lee might like come up here and just take over, all right? She probably knows more about bees than I do. Uh, so, so I want to go through this, and, and the point of the message today, there will be four clear points, and I will point them out several times, okay? Uh, but, but it's really about serving, and, and there's, this, there's a special thing in a colony, and, and I kind of look at the kingdom, and then maybe a micro scale that a, a body of believers here at Upper Room, and, and I want to talk about the role. So there's really three uh, types of bees within a colony, and uh, we're going to show you a graphic here. There's a queen, there are drones, and there are worker bees. And uh, going to give you just an idea of, of the queen. Is, it's obvious. The queen's job is to fertilize um, and to lay the eggs. And, to, and the queen's life expectancy is about a year to two years. Whereas anybody know what a regular worker bees and other bees in the hive's life expectancy is? About 15 to 40, no more than 40 days. That's the lifespan of a bee uh, besides the queen. So, so then you have drones. Drones are the only male bees, and typically they are only uh, created or, or birthed or whatever uh, when there's, it's in the heavy season or the pollination season and in the high end. And the drone's only job is to mate with the queen and typically from other hives. And there's this magical thing happening, and the queen's going out mating, getting fertilized, and it's typically from drones from other hives and other, other uh, colonies, right? So then you have the worker bees. And the worker bees are the ones that do all the work, and they're only females. They're also the only ones with a stinger. <laughs> Just saying. They do all the work, but they come with a sting. So, so that, that's the thing. And, and it's this, there's a lot of magical things that happen. And uh, the queen also controls the the energy of the hive. The, the, the queen's the boss. And I was going to mess with my, sh my sister today. Her last name's queen. She thinks she's always the queen bee. Uh, but anyway, she, the queen is controlling, okay? I was going to mess with her being the oldest sister and all this stuff. So we'll just mess with her as she watches maybe online. So anyway, uh, so they'll release pheromones. So if it's time to create more pollen, they'll do that. If they're under pressure, they'll, they'll do rest. If, they, if it's a certain temperature, she'll release these pheromones that control the atmosphere, environment, or mood of the hive, let's say. And then the other thing is if it's ready to swarm. If she's not happy, doesn't like something going on, beetles are in there, pressure, or whatever, she'll take the swarm and leave. So I've been praying for my queens this time. I've been, I had Nicole come out. I was like, I need you to intercede over these hives. I'm sick of buying bees. Okay, so, so at any rate, the, here's the life, though. Here are the roles of the worker bee. And the worker bees pretty much do most of the things throughout and keep the, the hive going and, and all of that and, and honestly make everything happen for the honey. So we got a graphic here, and this is fun way to know. And this is what they do within age. And they go from responsibility from young to old and being uh, basically as they advance in days, they advance in responsibility. Does that sound like anything in the kingdom? The Bible talks about milk and spiritual milk, and as we mature, don't stay there on being immature, but to advance and mature in Christ, right? So it's the same thing. So they start off, and actually they're cleaners. The moment they're born, their job is to clean out the very cell they were born in. And then they start to clean out other cells. Then all of a sudden they go to, and they're nurses, and they're helping care for others. And then, um, then all of a sudden they're builders, and they're building the honeycomb. And then you have, uh, even part of those are, are, they control the temperature of the hive. If it's too cold, too hot, they'll, they'll do things to control the temperature. And then there's guards. Those guards are the one that chased me down and got me right there. They felt they were under attack or there was something, and boom. And it is true, the moment a bee stings you, it dies. 
Okay, but don't worry, men. We're not going to be left out because the moment the drones mate, they die. So either way, good or bad, you're dying. In the life of a bee. So then the guards, and then the, the most promoted position for a worker bee would be the foragers that Destiny mentioned. And the foragers are going out to collect pollen, to bring it back. It's all converted. It's this great process, right? And not to get too wrapped up in that because I want to get in the word. But, but here's the deal. Did you know one bee visits about 1,000 flowers a day? One bee. They say that if we didn't have bees, we wouldn't have 85% of our food sources that we have right now. So there's a, there's a push for beekeepers and to keep healthy bees and different things. So it's this wonderful thing. And, and when I, I kept bees at Nick and Tiana's, and I remember the first couple of years there, they had things growing that had never grown and things blossoming and blooming and harvesting things uh, better than it ever was up to that point because they do such an effective job. But here's the thing. Each, pers- each, each person in the kingdom plays a role, right? Each person in a body plays a role. And I'm going to read what Paul writes in the body. But it's the same thing in the bee. Each one of those play a role in the colony. Without a single um, role within that worker bee or a single role of the drone, we would not have the fruit of honey. We would not, it would not exist. It wouldn't happen. Everyone, all the way from the cleaner, from the first few days of life, to the foragers at the end of their life, play a role. And I want to communicate that to you today. No matter where you are in this journey, no matter where you are in Christ, no matter where you are at Upper Room, you play a role. Whether you've been here a few weeks, whether you've been here for many years, whether you've been a believer for just a year or a few weeks, maybe since Easter you gave your heart to Jesus, or maybe you've been a believer for the last 40 years or more. You play a role, and it's not, I just want to confront this thing of, of, of one from the young or the immature saying, well, I'm not ready, I'm not worthy, I don't know enough. And listen, you can play a role. You don't have to know theology and, and be, be an expert in the word to serve coffee or hold a door. I also want to confront the mature generation, the ones maybe on the other side, the seniors of 2022, right? I don't like the attitude to say, well, it's the young generation's turn to teach the babies. It's the young generation's turn to show up on on the serving day. It's the young generation's turn. Listen, if you're here, you're not done. Steve is a testimony to that day in and day out. He was painting again this week. After church last Sunday, he went and with one or two people helping him, painted a whole fence at a school. Like, like, you are not done. You have purpose. Let me tell you what, um, what, what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. So the first point. Point number one. Everybody say point number one. <laughs> Chloe and Nicole, by yourself, say point number one. Thank you. You are called. We are all called. You are called. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27 says this. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it's with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. There is not a lesser role in the kingdom. There is not a lesser role in the church. It is not a lesser thing to clean toilets here as it is to be on this stage. Y'all like using a clean toilet? You like that toilet paper coming over the top? Thank Lee and Robert for the most part. Okay? It all works together just like a bee colony. Now if the foot should say, uh, verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And wouldn't that be weird? 
If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and, or indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Everybody plays a role. And that's what we're going to communicate today through the life of Jesus, through the life of David, and through some other examples. You play a role. You belong. Everybody say, say I belong. So, point number two, you belong. Say, I belong. I belong. Chloe and Nicole, could you say, please, you belong? Thank you. You'll never mess with me again. I do take it to heart, obviously. So, Matthew 20, 20 uh, through 28. Uh, this is the life of Jesus. And, and I want to, I, I always, I actually want to get... I, I love focusing messages on Jesus. I want his life to be our demonstration. I, I want, uh, man, the part of worship today where we just kind of went quiet and said, focus our attention to him. Just, just look at him. That, that's who we look to. If we want to learn how to be a servant, look at Jesus. And here's what he said in Matthew. He said, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Are you ready to die? Are you ready to be crucified? And it says, it said to them, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left, it is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom has been prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must first be a servant, and whoever would be first among you would be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, Jesus, it says, came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. It doesn't matter what title we have. It doesn't matter what, what position we have in church or at your workplace or, or anywhere, to be honest with you. Are we coming with a heart of servitude? Are we coming with a heart to just love others? With really no agenda except to reveal God's love and an and agenda only to be his love. No agenda to do this or get this or, or, or that's manipulation, but a heart to serve because Jesus himself says, I didn't come to be served. I didn't come for people to wash my feet. I didn't come for people to do this. I came to serve and be a servant and model servitude and model what love really looks like on the earth. Now when we get this opportunity to be his hands and feet and just to serve others and do exactly what he did, it's this amazing thing because let me just say this. It says his life was a ransom for us. He came to serve and pay a ransom for us. Listen, so this, this is the part where it really, really talks about you belonging because his life paid a price for you to be restored. 
for you to be saved, for you to be forgiven, for you to be freed, for you to be redeemed, for you to be full of hope, for you to be worthy, for you to be holy, for you to be sanctified and righteous and pure. That's his life paid that price so that you can belong, so that you can serve, so that you can actually say, I will be the hands and feet. Who will go? Send me, I'll go. David, there's this, there's this great story of David, and I love the, the story of David, and I love so much of it because I'm the youngest in my family, and many times through my life, not just within my family, but all over the place, and I think all of us can relate, at some time in your life, you feel insignificant, or you're not worthy, or you don't belong, but God. If you've ever studied the life of David and studied even the roles in the home of that time or, or the role of, of the farm back then, the lowest of low positions in the family is actually the shepherd. It is the most mundane, dirtiest, most boring, and hardest job in the entire family. So they came to Jesse's house, David's father. They came to Jesse's house because they were looking for a king. They had a word from the Lord to find a king. Where was David? He was out tending the sheep as a shepherd boy, doing the lowest of low things in the family. And, and, and thankfully, they heard Jesus. They heard the Holy Spirit. They heard the Lord because they said, wait, there's one more. And paraphrasing this story, they call for David. He comes and he's anointed king as a boy. Now, many of us, we, we know, well, well, I'm called to preach. Great, have you taken out the trash? Well, I'm called to be on the stage. I'm called to do this. I'm called to do that. Have you served in kids' area? Have you served? Have you offered or, or any type of thing? Have you taken out trash? Have you, have you offered to clean the toilets? Because David was called to be king as a shepherd, but he wasn't king until he went through this journey of life. And we think, well, I'm king. Now I just step into this. No, he still had to learn how to kill a, how, how to kill a lion and a bear, which trained him how to kill a giant, which then trained him how to be a warrior. And, and, then, and then suddenly at the end, then he was king. But it's this journey. And to make a long story short, there was a lot of issues and he even fell. When kings were supposed to be off at war, he was on rooftops gazing at women. There, there's this story of David that, that is so powerful that he was the youngest and the most unlikely in his family, but the most likely in the kingdom. God doesn't look at your past and your history. He looks at your destiny. He doesn't hold it against you. And, and when you think you don't belong, I'm telling you right now, God's saying the opposite. No, you belong. You belong here. You belong at the table. But where's your heart? Is it for you? Is it for your own kingdom? Is it to build yourself up? Is it to look good? Is it to look smart? Is it to... So the third point, serve others, not just yourself. Matthew 19, 16 through 22 has this story. And behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Do all these rules, right? Jesus is listening. Don't, don't do these things. These are the rules. Honor your father, father and mother. You should, let me say that one again since my kids are in here today. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then it says, the young man said to him, all this I've kept. Check, 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 check. I've done the rules, Jesus. And he says this, what do I still lack? Jesus said, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess 
and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Okay, you've done the items on the checklist. You've done the good Christian rules. Now I want your heart because what you're holding on your heart is money. What you're holding in your heart is power or whatever it might be for this rich ruler, right? He's like, so now I want your heart because you need to be a servant and you need to be last to be first, right? It's this upside down kingdom. And then he says this, so come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful and, and for he had great possessions. Luke 9, 23 words it like this. And he said to all, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. To be a servant is loving God more than yourself. It's loving others more than yourself. I love, we used to use this in the, in, in the youth often, it says, put others before yourself. And then there's another verse that says, think of others as more highly and better than you. It's this thing of this selfless servitude and this selfless um, of ambition to just love Jesus. We can do all the right things. We can show up on Sunday. We can, we can not steal. I mean, I find it pretty easy not to steal. I find it pretty easy not to cheat on my wife since she's so hot, right? No, because we make covenant and we're in love and God purposed us together, <laughs> But she is hot. But that, that, that's the checklist. But God's saying, no, I want your heart. I want all of you. I, I want you to, to love me. I want you to love yourself. And I want you to love your neighbor as much as you're loving yourself. So that point was serve others, not just yourself. Last point. We're going to find it in Luke, parts of it, or a version of it in Luke 16, 10 through 13. A couple weeks ago, when I had no discernible points, I read the Great Commission, and it says they worshiped, and then they went. Go make disciples, right? You find that at the end of Matthew. You can look it up. So it's this powerful point of, of saying, hey, and, and I, I have this theory, like all of what Jesus said is important, but I especially like some of his last commands and some of his last uh, things to do I want to make some of my top priorities. All of what Jesus said, obviously. But, but here's this thing. He's saying, go make disciples. Go. In your going, make disciples. So it's this great commission to go make disciples, but we can only go from our place of worship and who he is in us. Otherwise, we're just doing it for the checklist. We're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. But when your heart's Jesus, you start to look like him. When your heart's for Jesus, you start to not look down on others. When your heart's for Jesus and you're starting to think and look from his goggles and from heaven's perspective, all of a sudden those people aren't idiots <laughs> or those people aren't always just wrong and they're the enemy and they, you know, no. Like, hey, yeah, they have love deficits. They need the grace of Jesus. They have issues that we disagree. Listen, have you seen the, the, the clips from the news for this, for this abortion issues? Those people that are so violently against this, they, they need Jesus. Jesus is the solution. And I'm not sitting there getting angry at them for their anger. I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken that they are this full of violence and anger. It's the same thing with politics or anything, any perspective that's different than yours. Where are they coming from? What has been their experience? What has been their hurt? What has been their history leading up to this thing, whatever that thing might be in our lives? 
What are those love deficits? Have they, they, they obviously haven't encountered the grace, the mercy, the love, and the power of the Messiah. Because no one would respond the way I saw them talking to police officers. How I, and I don't care what the issue is. Like, we are very passionately pro-life here. So I don't want to skate over that and leave it open. Like, we are openly pro-life here. Life comes from above, and Jesus is the giver of good things and the giver of life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came, and he gave life and life more abundantly. So let me make that very clear here. But to when you look at these things in our culture, and that's one example, but if you look at these things in our culture and, and some of the things that we're against and some of the things, like I found myself during the political stuff a couple years ago and, and during the election, a little, I guess, year and a half-ish ago, I found myself getting angry at people who thought differently than me. I found myself actually starting to hate people. That's how I was before Jesus. I had to change. I had to say, no, God, they're, they're your children. They just may not know it yet. No, God, this is different. I need to see from your perspective because I'm called to go. And how can I ever go and have influence if I'm not loving? Yeah. I believe the Lord will give you authority in the things that you love. And I don't think you're going to have authority in some of those mountains and some of those influences if you're not genuinely loving and seeing from their side. And seeing from their side and seeing with empathy doesn't mean you agree. Right. Let me just say this. I can love somebody and not agree with them. I can love somebody and have empathy and actually have maybe a little bit of an understanding where they're coming from based on their past experience, their upbringing, their, 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 their stuff in life whatever it might be, and I can still love, and I can still serve, and I can still do all this without condoning and embracing and actually agreeing with where they might be on something. Let me, let me move on to this verse. Luke 16, 10 through 13. Point four, go. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God in possession. So we're called to go, right? We're called to go make disciples. We're called to go reveal the love of the Father. We're called to go and lead people to a true, genuine encounter with, with the Savior of the universe, the creator of all things, right? We're called to do this, but we can't do it if we're wanting one foot in and one foot out. That's called hypocrisy. We can't say, well, I'm going I'm to tell you about church, and I'm going to tell you about the goodness of Jesus, and then I'm going to live like a heathen. You also need an encounter because the grace of God will empower you to not be that way anymore. The true grace of God empowers us. The grace of God empowers us to love the unlovables, which I don't believe in. I don't believe they're unlovables. There's just believers and pre-believers. There's different colors, different shapes, different ethnic backgrounds, but there are believers and pre-believers, and the pre-believers are one encounter away from knowing Jesus intimately. Let me close this thing out. In summary, love God, love yourself, love others. Serve your calling. Serve in the church, serve in the community, serve in your home. But let me just tell you this, I'm excited for the next couple weeks, and Holy Spirit, 
This is another intro into that. You cannot serve a life of purpose without Holy Spirit. You cannot serve a true life of fulfillment and purpose without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can go through checklists, you can have titles, you can get promoted, you can be wealthy, you can do all of these things, but the true empowerment of purpose and fulfillment come from the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's all in vain. I preached this message, and I almost re-preached it today, um, but I'm like, nah, I think it's been too recent. I gotta wait another couple years so you forget it. If you remember me talking about the sailboat and wrecking the sailboat, and I talked about the wind of God, the Ruach breath of God, and a lot of the references in original translations are very similar from the breath of God in Adam's lungs to the breath of God on the day of Pentecost, and he blew like a mighty rushing wind, and that same wind is blowing today, the Holy Spirit. And, and, and let me just say this, a sailboat does absolutely nothing without wind. It sits on the water without purpose because it has no engine. It only relies on the wind and the sail to be filled with that wind to propel it to its destiny or destination, right? It's the same thing in this, in this world is, is the, the Holy Spirit gives us purpose, blows breath, blows life into us so that we can go make disciples. And without Holy Spirit, without God filling us up, we have no true purpose, no true fulfillment in life. Everything else in vain. We are serving the other master. I want to go and I want to make disciples. I want to serve and I want to I be a servant. I didn't want to be a Christian, let alone a pastor. So now, my goal is just to be a servant. And if it involves speaking, then I'll speak. If it involves traveling, I'll travel if the Lord tells me to, yes. I'll go to Mexico, I'll do these things if he tells me to go, I'll go. But the reality is I'll also go on a Saturday morning and pick up trash at the schools. I'll also throw up barbed wire with, with, with Zach and Josh and do what we need to do. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm probably more of a servant than I am a leader. I'm a servant leader. I, like, People will tease me, and I know Steve's had some run-ins with me. I hate meetings. I hate being cooped up in meetings. I'm like, let's just go. Let's, let's go reveal the love of Jesus. Let's, let's save the lost. Let's, let's heal the sick, right? That, that's that's kind of my thing. But that structure and these things, and God's put me in this place to also serve as a leader, also serve as a pastor. But man, if we can't get our hands dirty and we can't pick up trash in the parking lot, or if we can't clean a toilet now and again, then if we can't do good with little, we can't go do much. Another way to paraphrase that verse that we just read was, was if you do good with little, much is given. If you do good with the little bit of authority that you have or the little bit of influence that you have or the little bit of ability that you have, the little bit of ability that you have to give or the little bit that you have to maybe pray, all of a sudden more and more is given. I didn't start here as a senior pastor. I had to fight with my dad, do not pay me. I do not want paid. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be a leader. I will just start a youth group, Nicole, and I will start small groups. We will, like we did all these things, right, when, when Upper Room was starting to grow. And he's like, Aaron, I, I want to pay you. Your time is valuable. I said, I only do it for the Lord. Finally, I was like, okay, you can pay me because we got some girls living with us now and it's really expensive. <laughs> and teenagers eat way more than toddlers. So when Destiny and Kinder were living with us, we started to accept a little bit of paycheck and, and um, a thing from the church. Let me close this deal out. Point one was you are called. Everybody say, you are called. called. Say, I am called. I am called. Point two, I belong. I belong. Point, through, point three was serve others, not yourself. Point four, go. So there's this thing, 
as I end. There's things that you should do, there's things you could do, and there's things you're called to do. All right? And I, there's a book on this. And I really enjoyed it. it. It reached my heart. Should do, could do, called to do. The ideal is that we're doing things that we're called to do. That, that is Holy Spirit breathing in us. I'm called to be a pastor. I don't always like it. I actually don't like speaking. Okay? I, I don't like preparing to speak. <laughs> All week, I'm like, oh, man, is this it? Lord, are you sure? What is it? At worship, I'm like, man, there's a moment here. I start going and I'm researching scriptures in that seat just a little while ago. Say, okay, all of God worship. I think I might just speak on worship today. Lord, are you, are you saying this? Are you changing the plan? And then Desi's like, Aaron's speaking on bees. I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm just going to speak on bees still. <laughs> I don't like the process, but I, I enjoy this part. I enjoy allowing the Lord to use me for a voice that maybe will touch somebody. That's what I'm called to do. But that comes with sacrifice and, and, a, and a little bit of uncomfortability. But then there's things that we could do, and there's things we should do. We should feed the poor. We should minister to the seniors on Friday. We should take care of the widows. Those are things that we should do. Now, some of you may have a ministry that you're called to do that. That's your calling in life. That is your main purpose. That is your, your, your thing, your destiny in life, right? then some of us, we're just going to help and we're going to be a part of it because we should do it. Because the Bible says we should do it. And then there's things that we could do. I, I could go to the Sind and, and attend that, but I'm not called to go there because I have a family at home that we've been very busy and actually I want to be at the altar here on Friday night. But I could go, but I didn't because I didn't feel God calling me to go. Do, do you see the difference? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land this plane. Could, should, called. There's these things that we could do. There's these things that we should do and the things we're called to do. I believe this. Everyone, you have to be doing what you're called to do, and that can only come through the confirmation and the fulfillment and the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's things we should do. You should be serving in this church. Let me just get real with you. This is a family. We call it a family, and there's no reason we got to cancel kids' classes because people won't serve in kids' ministries. The reason we went from two services to one service has nothing to do with COVID, had nothing to do with attendance. It had everything to do we didn't have enough servants. We didn't have enough servants for two services to have kids' classes. It became a hardship. And we, the same servants were serving over and over and over and over. Listen, Nicole told you all last week to worry about your drinking and your TV and all that stuff, so I'll step on your toes for serving. We're a family. It shouldn't fall on the same people over and over and over. You may not be called to, to hold babies in a class, but you should do it. And if it's to the point that you shouldn't do it, then it's a could do, don't do it. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like, we are a family here, and, and if you're part of this community, you need to be a part of the community. My kids, they're expected to clean out the chicken coop, to gather the eggs, to feed the chickens, to feed the cat, to take out the trash, to vacuum the carpets. Why? Because they're part of the family. And I'm out providing the income to pay the air conditioner that we haven't turned on yet. buying food that's like $400 a week now. So I need help at the house so that I can do what I'm called and should be doing so that they can help contribute so that when I come home, I can actually have a moment with them and ask about their day and not worry about continuing to do chores throughout the night. It's the same thing here. We need some of y'all to pick up and start doing the should do's because it's falling on the same people and then they can't do what they're called to do. The plane's landed. The, 
somebody can play because I should have been done a few minutes ago. That wasn't planned, but it was good. Let me just remind you of our mission here. Worship, grow, and go. We go from being healthy and growing together from a place of worship. Listen, we can't give something we don't have. And everything that I want to give and to serve, I want it to come from a heart that's full of Jesus. So we worship. Our first ministry is unto the Lord. Our second ministry is ministry to ourselves. Between him is communion with the Lord. Okay? And then that's the love God. The second one was love yourself. And the third is love others. Because freely I receive, freely I give. Where much grace is given, I receive, much grace is given, right? It's this cool thing. So we worship. We worship. There's a reason our worship service is like 45 minutes to an hour because we want to get filled up but by blessing him. It's not for us. Worship's not for you. <laughs> Let me just remind you of that. Whether the songs we pick that you like or know or it's in the key you sing in, worship was never for you anyway. It was never intended to please you. Now, it's great. I love a good sound. I love quality. I, I love good music. I don't listen to stuff I don't want to listen to when I'm not in here, right? But worship's not about us. Worship's about him. And in the Great Commission, he's talking about he's already taught the disciples. They've already grown intimately. They've already grown in maturity. So Jesus modeled it. Then they did it together, and then he released them to do it on their own. That's the Jesus model of discipleship, and that's it's no different than today. Jesus modeled it. He's equipped you. Now you go. We go from a place of health, though. We go from a place of being filled up with him and his spirit. Why don't you stand with me? No, my honey's not for sale. It was a bad harvest. We only have two of these. That's it. That's all we got. Jesus is so good. I want you to be encouraged that you belong. David, David wasn't at the table, but he belonged. You may think you're not worthy of being at the table, but you've been invited to the table to commune with the Lord and a table to be sent to be crowned as, as righteous, to be crowned as his royal priesthood, to be crowned as his sons and daughters, his beloveds. Maybe peculiar people, but a chosen generation. And you were called for such a time as this. And let me just say, you were called and you belong. You were called and you belong. I love saying this. Let me just remind you, you may not be where you're supposed to be, but you're not where you used to be. Wherever you're at right now, if you made it in here today, you're not where you used to be. You may not have arrived where you're supposed to be. Thank God I'm still on this journey myself. Thank God I'm still in process. Thank God I'm still yearning for more of his presence, for, that I'm hungry for him. And hopefully in the process, staying humble most of the time. And my pride, sometimes I gotta, I gotta work on that. But we're in process and we, we belong. So I'd love to just put a hand, have you put some hands on your heart or a hand on your heart. In a moment, we're gonna call up prayer teams. If you wanna stay, you can have prayer. And there were some folks, even uh, the ladies that went to the prophetic conference this past weekend, you can come up, even if you're not on the prayer team today. And if you want some prophetic words or some encouragement, man, they are ready. So. 
But let me just pray for you, that you are significant, that you belong and you are called, and that I, I, I encourage you this week to pray, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? Holy Spirit, what are you calling me to do, to be? What should I do? What could I do? Knowing the distinguishment between those. And let me just say this, when you find the calling, most of your time should go into that. A little less time in your should do's and a lot less time in your could do's. Knowing that, knowing the power of your yes and no, because when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. So God, I thank you for the folks that are here today and those that are watching online. I thank you, Lord, that you are breathing life into us. Lord, I thank you that like a bee colony, we all play a part. We all play a role. We all, we all have significance in this, in this body. That it's not just random parts, but each part is represented here. And each one is very intricate and just as important as the other. So Lord, I pray for unity. I pray for unity in this body. And I pray that we all have a heart to serve and just to be like you, Jesus. But no other thing but just a desire to be like you, Jesus. To be your hands, to be your feet, to be your mouthpieces, to be your love, to be your encouragement, to be your mercy, to be your grace to people around us. Lord, we thank you for freedom. We say yes to our calling. Holy Spirit, I just pray you fill us up. Baptize us, Holy Spirit. Baptize us, Jesus. But I pray for a baptism of Holy Spirit right now. I pray for an infilling of your spirit. Right now, just like the day of Pentecost, a mighty rushing wind, just sweep through here and fill us. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your purpose. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Hey, um, maybe you're sitting in here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're like, man, that sounds kind of fun. I don't know what he's talking about. We have a prayer team that's coming up. We would love to invite you into the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life, to the greatest security, the greatest hope, the greatest peace, the greatest destiny that you'll ever have for all of eternity. So if you don't know Jesus, we, we welcome you to stay, and, and uh, there'll be people up here with tags. Just find one. But for all of us, man, I, actually, I just feel like doing it publicly right now. So can we all say, Jesus, Jesus. we receive you right now. We receive the gift of salvation right now. Let's make it personal. I receive the gift of salvation right now. I receive the free gift of forgiveness. I receive the gift of freedom. I receive the gift of power. I receive what you did on the cross, that you were crucified and resurrected, and you forgive everything that your grace is sufficient for everything so that I can live with you in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that today for the first time, please stay. We also have gifts for you at the info bar. Uh, but the rest of you, you're dismissed. We love you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up and uh, have an amazing, amazing week. Find somewhere, something, somebody to serve this week. We love you. Be blessed.